0: Welcome back to the Hubcast. Y'all, this is not Marcus, but I do have another one of my favorite marks in the house. Mark Amagone is here. Mark, I am so excited to have you. You're one of my like HubSpot rider dies. Like we just, ugh, we connect. Absolutely. So tell our audience who you are, what the heck are you doing on the Hubcast? And, you know, share a little bit about your role. You are at Impact. So a little bit about that as well.
1: All right. Well, first of all, thanks for having me, Karina. It's a true honor to be on the Hubcast. Yes. Uh, I've been a fan for a long, long time. long time fan, first time contributor. Um, so uh, my uh, connection to HubSpot runs pretty deep. I uh, started my relationship with HubSpot in 2012 when was it I was well hired. at First sight. It was, to be honest with you. You know, <laughs> I um, I didn't know much about HubSpot before I uh, started interviewing for a job there. Honestly. Um, My best friend who I grew up with uh, was a software engineer there at the time. And I was, you know, at a crossroads in my career. That's a story from another time, kind of that whole backstory. (laughs) But um, uh, he was just like, hey, I'm working at this cool software company in Cambridge, Massachusetts. You should come check it out. Talk me through the interview process. So I got hired as an inbound marketing consultant, completely trained, changed the course of my career as I knew it. And I worked there for about two years as a IMC, inbound marketing consultant helping people onboard to the platform. And uh, it was one of the coolest jobs I ever had. It opened me up to a whole new world. And uh, I've been a, since that time, I've been a HubSpot customer. Um, I've actually been a Marketo customer, which was awful to be honest with you. But, um, and then now I'm back in the HubSpot world as a agency partner. I'm on the sales team here at Impact. So I work with new and existing clients to scope and understand our services and set them up with awesome people like Karina and her team. And, uh, yeah, it's pretty, um, it feels good to be back in the, in the orange, uh, land again, you know, to be yes. uh, back in the HubSpot world.
0: And I love that you like had a stint with Marketo.
1: Oh my God. It was really? so eye opening.
0: <laughs> yeah. And I'm sure you talk to a lot of people who are either using Marketo or who are evaluating between HubSpot and Marketo and other platforms. So even just to have that, to be able to be like, here's uh here's why you might want to not think about going that direction yeah,
1: it's, you know it's a very interesting experience it really opened me up for sure to some some uh, some insights as to the differences between two platforms and the type of people who gravitate towards them because that's that was the most interesting uh, way, a type out there for HubSpot versus versus Marketo and that I really learned a lot about
0: I could see that I could see that HubSpotters are like a, a specific breed, I think.
1: They are. And, <laughs> and Marketo users are also a very specific breed. And that is, you know, not saying there's anything wrong with it, with, you know, yeah. not judging, just saying there's a lot of people, there's a specific type of need that Marketo fills in the yeah. marketing automation universe. And it's just like there's one for HubSpot, you know, there's a, there's, there's a place for everybody out there.
0: Totally true. I love it. All right, let's hop in here. I have a story. From the front lines of HubSpot user usership <laughs> <laughs> trying to find a good tagline for our certified dope segment here <laughs> so a couple episodes ago we asked the question kind of begged the question like should we really believe the hype about smart content and i don't know how mm-hmm. how you feel about this mark and
1: wow it's a loaded your, question
0: Yeah, (laughs) because mostly I feel like I've been a little bit like disillusioned by it, maybe, Uh Uh where it's something that's promoted a lot. You know, it's promoted as a feature of higher levels of HubSpot. People will kind of sell HubSpot with that feature. But I honestly feel like I haven't seen a lot of really great use cases for it or a lot of really good executions for it. And so mm-hmm. we we sort of asked the question like, hey, are any of you guys using smart content in a really cool way? And old faithful Stephanie Bioki came through um, and she she generally agreed like she's been you know fairly underwhelmed by a smart content uses she's Mm -hmm, seen mm -hmm. and also has seen some really not good ones. But she said there was this one time (laughs) she she used to work for a different HubSpot partner and she got to work with a client who was a packaging company and they had basically the same packaging solutions for four different markets. And they initially had four different websites for each of these because they needed to have Very different messaging and case studies, use cases, things like that. Even though, like the general solutions, the packaging itself was really all the same. And so, what they did was they unified the website and they created single pages for each product that had default general content. So, each packaging solution, default general content, as well as smart content for each of the four markets that had really specific messaging, different case studies that it linked to different calls to action um but you may be wondering how did they actually get the smart content to show up for the different markets because like if you haven't cookied them if they haven't filled out a form like how do you know what market they're potentially interested in well they actually used referral urls Mm -hmm. those where it gets really good they made the content based on referring URLs, so based on whatever call to action a user had clicked on, let's say they were coming from the uh, natural health packaging page. They show the natural health content because they came from that CTA. So they show different content, even different colors, different calls to action, etc., cetera, based on whatever page that person came from. So, of course, there's default content if somebody just lands on that page straight up. But if they came from another page on the site, then there's going to be a referring URL that they're going to then be able to cater that content to. I thought that was
1: Wow. So they had cookied these people or they hadn't then?
0: So they were cookied, I guess, based on like their URL, but they didn't have they weren't necessarily contacts in the system. They hadn't
1: converted them as a lead yet, but they were still able to show them smart content.
0: Right, exactly. That's,
1: Be- that's pretty impressive, I have to say, because that's always the number one challenge when you think about okay, smart content's powerful, but if somebody's already in my system, this—I mean, it's, I guess it's good for retargeting.
0: Right, but, exactly. You know. It's good if you have a lot of return visitors who have converted and are going to come back. So, you know, things like e com I could definitely see mm-hmm. um, a lot of use cases for that. But yeah, if if you're not like having a lot of people coming back to your site after you've captured their information, smart content, it's like probably more effort than it's worth. But using the referring URL for smart content is a really smart way (laughs) to set that up. (laughs) I thought that was so stinking dope. You could say it is certified dope. Way to go, Steph.
1: It's official, certified dope. That's, it's official. You know, th- there are certain features, to be completely honest with you, that often at software companies, they get built more for the sales process and kind of sure. uh, the sales team to kind of... I remember when, when Smart Content came out, it was the only... So, HubSpot was the only software out there that could do that. You know, there was I think mm-hmm. Marketo acquired some company that was based out of Israel or something that had some kind of functionality like that they could like add on to their thing. It was like, it was one of those things that's like, well, you can only do this with HubSpot. And I remember HubSpot even added to their homepage like people's names so that like, you know, like, like the token of first name. So I'd always pull it up on consulting calls and be like, Hey, check it out. Like, can you, you can, we should talk about how you could do this, you know? And it'd be like, Hey Karina or Hey Mark, you know, like when you just went to the HubSpot homepage. So that's cool, you know, but it's like one of those things that it's like, okay, but does it, is that fluffy or is that substantive as, as a feature?
0: Exactly. Like, is it actually adding value? And I think that, Using the referring URL, you know, I was thinking about it too, with you know something like a specific campaign where you've got people coming from like maybe a Facebook ad or a Google ad or like different ads or different marketing campaigns based on where they're coming from, you could then target them differently because you know that they're you know being shown a different ad or something like that, and then you could display different content on the landing page, something like that so Thanks, Steph, for sending that in. That really got me like thinking more about that and more cool ways to use it. And if any of that made your head spin or was hard to uh, digest in audio form, Steph recorded a Go video fully explaining it and sharing her screen. So you can actually see the website um, and and she'll walk you through exactly uh, what that looks like. So the show notes are at impactbnd.com slash hubcast. This is episode 246. Get in there and check them out. And thanks, Steph, for coming through. That's good stuff. Something that's on my mind today was just something that I thought was so good I had to share. And apparently, so did Google. So this is why I'm I'm really fired up. So our friend Dan Baum, he is one of Impact's paid media specialists. More importantly, he is my next door desk neighbor. So we sit next to each other every day. Um, he is one of the biggest analytics nerds that I have ever met. Um, I see him on like the Google AdWords and Analytics side as like my like counterpart. Um, with me on the Hub a HubSpot side, so we like to geek out about analytics and reporting and all of that stuff. But last week he wrote an article titled uh, "Google Analytics Checklist: Is Your Website Reporting Is Your Website Reporting Data Clean and Accurate?" And I thought it was important to share here because the vast majority of us are likely using a combination of Google Analytics and HubSpot to do analytics and reporting, and so. If you are using Google Analytics, you need to get in and read this this article. Um, and like I said, Google Analytics actually shared it on their Twitter account this week, which you know means you know it's which super. It doesn't legit. happen every day. <laughs> no, we where you were of course like, oh my god, <laughs> this is awesome. Um, we were super pumped about it, but there's really six big checklist items that Dan mentions. He talks about setting up your website tags using Google Tag Assistant or Google Tag Manager. He talks about confirming your website security protocol settings like HTTPS, making sure it's secure, and are tracking the appropriate data, um, because that can throw things off. Uh, How to create engagement audiences for advanced targeting opportunities based on user activity that you can then use in, in your AdWords. Setting up website traffic filters to filter out internal traffic, which is, I think, something that a lot of people don't think about when they're setting up. And this is for HubSpot, too. You can filter out all of your internal IP addresses so that you're not fluffing up your data with your own team coming to your site. You can do the same thing in Google Analytics And then you can set up alternative views that include things like internal traffic. So you can still track if there's internal people coming to your site. Um, And then last but definitely not least, he talks about building custom data views. So for free, you can build up to 20 custom data views based on priorities and goals in Google Analytics. If you are using Google Analytics, I cannot recommend this article highly enough to get really good, clean data in there. I love it. It's good stuff. Yeah, Dan
1: Baum is, it's interesting, man. Like he, uh, not that long ago, was just, you know, a regular old account executive here at Impact, and the opportunity came up to join the paid team under the tutelage of the master, Jason Lindy, who's our our supreme uh, Google Ads (laughs) strategist. And Dan was like, I'm going to run with this. And just completely just, you know, trained himself up and and just learned everything there is to know about analytics and Google ads. Mm-hmm. And it's just really just built a whole new kind of identity for himself at the agency. And is you know, it's, 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 it's one of those things that like in today's day and age, if you really are motivated enough, you can learn what there is to know about a given subject and yeah. like create a new opportunity for yourself. You don't have to wait for somebody to say, Hey, like, want to become our next Google ad specialist. Like you just kind of, you just went for it.
0: It's so true. And you know, for, for a long time, I didn't even realize that you could be that, that much of a subject matter expert in something like Google analytics. Right. Or even Google AdWords and the level of depth that these guys go into the things that you can set up, the reports and data views that you can set up. It is it's incredible, it makes, it makes my head spin and it's amazing like to watch people go so far deep into one subject and to be able to just basically answer any question you could possibly have on how to set things up, on how to report on things you wanna report on, things like that, it just gets me so fired up, I love it. Um, so Dan, way to go. I'm gonna say that you are also certified dope today. It's
1: official.
0: It's double dope day. I love <laughs> All it. I'm <right>. right. <laughs> I've got a an old classic HubSpot wish list item today, which is everybody's just going to start nodding their heads. Mark's nodding his head. <laughs> we want to be able to edit existing campaign names. Yes. I brought this up because It has been on the wish list. like It's been a feature request in HubSpot that people have been voting up since January 12th, 2017. So we're well past two and a half years of people asking for this. But I noticed recently that it is officially in planning. So the status was updated on August 11th, which means that it is being worked on. I don't know. I don't have any other information on it. But what I would say is, if you want to be able to edit existing campaign names, or care about those of us who do, get into the show notes and continue to vote this up because they will continue to look at these um, and see how many people are asking for this. But if you're not, if you're not familiar with HubSpot campaigns, you don't have, um, you're not using a lot of campaigns, then basically what what we found is that people jump into creating campaigns in hubspot so and when i say campaigns like i'm talking capital c campaigns as in the campaigns tool in hubspot so you can tag a whole bunch of different assets landing pages website pages emails workflows calls to action with a campaign and then you can track different things for how that campaign is performing A lot of times when people start doing things in HubSpot, they'd start creating campaigns kind of willy-nilly because they don't know all the things in the back end that the campaigns tool does. And so, oh, I'm just creating an email, so I'm just going to create a campaign that, you know, sounds good to attach to this email. But the problem is later on, if you want to kind of restructure how you're tracking your campaigns or you realize that, you know, you want to change, like, You want to change the naming convention to be able to um, organize things a little bit better. You can't do it. There's no way to change a campaign name
1: Or what happens if, you know, you bring somebody else on? What if you inherit the HubSpot portal from a previous marketing manager or something like that? You know, you're just stuck with like, maybe they had some weird code that they named (laughs) all their campaigns with like their dogs, you know, name, nicknames or something, you know, yeah,
0: people use like weird weird shorthand (laughs) and it, they really do. (laughs) And I've just, especially with the new campaign analytics tools and the way that we can look at things like influence revenue and influence contacts through the campaigns tool. It's so powerful, but it really emphasizes the importance of of keeping your campaigns organized, which means that you need to have good naming conventions so that you can tell like, Oh, this is, these three campaigns are kind of all together in the same bigger campaign. And I want to be able to find those easily. Um, So I've I've had some clients that essentially have had to start from scratch, like they've had to get rid of old campaigns and just start fresh to be able to get that organization, um, you know, rather than it would be, you know, infinitely easier to just change the campaign name. So I cannot wait for this update. If you cannot wait either, get into the show notes and vote it up.
1: And you know what? Now is the time to make this push because, you know, if this, if this was originally proposed in 2017, they've been, they've been purposely ignoring this for a while. Like this isn't just <laughs> like, they know what's out there and they're like, oh, like, do we have to do that? You know, because if, yeah. I'm sure it's not an easy fix. I'm exactly. sure there's like some things they have to like work around, not just, if they change this, it affects other things. Yes. But now is the time because they inbound just happened like a month or two ago, you know, like they just, the product team the dev team was super focused and all the big launches for inbound. Now they have a little breathing room. Now they can say, okay, like what, what's been on the backlog for a while? What's, what have all the, the super fans out there have been clamoring for? And it's this, it's this kind yes. of stuff. So like now is the time to make that push to let you know your account manager, whoever know. You, get, you, know, you know the real guerrilla warfare way to tackle something like this is find out mm. who the product manager is, who manages this aspect of the tool. And get either, if you're a HubSpot customer out there listening to this, get your account manager to, like, get in this product manager's ear. Even find out who the product manager is, hit him up on LinkedIn or something like that, you know, and just be like, hey, yes. like, prioritize this. I know you've got, to, I know you have a big responsibility to, to, you know, guide the direction of the HubSpot product. This is important, you know, get it up there. And now it's the time. Let's not let this sit another two years, you know, since, since this was first proposed.
0: I love it gorilla feature requesting. Let's do it. You
1: know, this is the information you get when you when you're on the inside yeah. of the, you know, the, the orange wall there, are you know,
0: call us and be like, "What have you done?" <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. I got one product update for us this week to to wrap it up here. And I'm actually really excited about this. It was one of those ones that went live before the the update actually came out on the updates feed and I was like, "Ooh, that is easily create and grow your chat flows with a single page chat flow builder. So it's essentially nothing has really changed in the fundamentals of what you're doing in the chat flow builder but it's a new design and new new ux so if you've used the chat flow builder in the past for building chatbots, you know that you sort of have to click into like each of your if then branches and then it kind of takes you to a new screen and then if you have more if then branches you click into that and it takes you to a new screen and it's really hard to like know where you are in the flow unless you like go all the way back to the beginning so this update allows you to basically see everything in one view. So you start like the page starts expanding vertically with all of the things that you're adding, even with your if then branches. Then if you want to see okay, I you know asked this gave this person three options and I want to see what happens if they click on option 1, you're going to stay on that same page and it's just going to expand down below wherever you are, so that you can see, you know, the next chat bubble. And you can basically look at the entire flow based on what, you know, how people are responding or different actions the bot is taking. And you can see it all on one page. So that's amazing. If that didn't make any sense in me talking about it, go into your chat, your chat bot builder right now and check it out and all of it will make sense it's it 's much more intuitive it's it's so much easier to use so that 's really awesome um, and the second thing that it really does it makes it easy much easier to navigate to other actions within the chat flow because you can see exactly where you are like what step you 're working on where is it in the chat flow and where are different places that you can go so you can learn more in the link in the show notes, but I would just recommend you go into any of your chat flows that you've already built, and you're going to see it right there and probably be like, oh, thank goodness. <laughs> so relieved. <laughs> oh, man.
1: All right. I don't really have much to contribute to that section other than... Uh, <laughs>
0: yeah, other go build some bots. <laughs> you know, I've been so hype about chat bots recently. I'm not going to get into it, but... It is, I think that the masses, like the HubSpot masses are realizing how awesome these chat flows can be and they're not that difficult to build out. Like the first one that you build out is going to take some some figuring out um, because they can get a little complicated with all your if-then branches and things like that. But once you do it once and you see like, wow, this is going to give our customers such a great user experience to get to where they need to go or to request a quote or things like that. Um, man, it is, it's so awesome. So I'm going to leave us with that. If you are interested in sponsoring the Hubcast or any of Impact's other shows, there's a link at the bottom of the show notes to go to the Advertise with Impact page to learn more. If you want to join an awesome community of HubSpot users on Slack, there's also a link to join the HubSpot user Slack it has been blowing up recently with all kinds of stories, all kinds of questions. Um, it's been really, really fun, and we would love to have you there. And Mark, thanks for joining today. It was awesome it was, to have you.
1: My great pleasure, Karina. It was an awesome time, and I'm always, I'm always happy to just you know commune with a bunch of awesome HubSpotters.
0: Yes, we're, we're an awesome weren't...
1: supportive group. You know, every time I go to inbound, I'm always really inspired by everybody. Just kind of comes together. You know marketing can be a lonely place i hate to say it but you know mm. there's a lot of marketers out there that are just thinking to themselves man like i wish somebody just got it i wish somebody could just understand mm. the pain that i feel trying to move the needle trying to deliver these leads and when marketers get together and just kind of like we can all just kind of you know support each other in that regard so i appreciate you you know help connecting me with this community in this way
0: oh man i love it that was deep well <laughs> Until next time, this is Karina Duffy and Mark Amagun saying to you, get out there and get after it.